Broadcasting live from the R&R studios in Las Vegas, Nevada, it's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy, presented by Tequila Embajador. When you have great coaches, then after you have great coaches, you get great players. You have a great organization, and you tell them one thing. Just win, baby. You know what? He, he is a pro now. I, he's always been a pro. I mean, a meticulous note-taker. You, you wouldn't know that about Yannick. He's in there. I mean, attention to detail. He's a very, very prideful man. And um, he's always been that part of it. I think what I'm seeing him do more now is he's helping everybody. He's helping younger players. He, you know, it's very important for us, for him, for us to be a strong unit. You know, those type of conversations with him. But he's very focused. Uh, he knows what he needs to do. And I see him sharing more of those things with some of the younger players. That is the voice of New Raiders defensive coordinator Gus Bradley. And he was talking about new defensive and unique Ngakwe, who the Raiders signed. Uh, their big ticket free agent. I think we could use that term. Uh, safely and say that safely uh, and and it's interesting watching unique and Gakwe uh, watching Gus Bradley it's day three uh, into Raiders camp by the way you're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor brought to you by Tequila and Bahadur we'd love to get your thoughts today after day three of Raiders camp 702-365-9200 I have my thoughts uh, but I'm here to answer any questions uh, listen to your thoughts uh, you know the drill we are an open book so um, you know, let us know what you're thinking. Let us know what's, what's on your mind. We'll try to help you as much as we can. But uh, really interesting seeing things so far uh, and how things are developing so far uh, in, in Raiders camp. And, and I kind of wrote, I did write about this for the Las Vegas Review Journal. I cover the Raiders for the Las Vegas Review Journal. You can read my stuff. Uh, go download the app Vegas Nation or just go to VegasNation.com. You can check it out uh, that way as well. And, and the face of the Raiders defense is changing. It's changed, basically. Uh, and I think the two faces of the Raider defense right now is Gus Bradley and Unique Ngakwe. Uh, and it had to happen. You know, the Raiders... We don't have to get into how bad the Raiders' defense has been these last couple of years. Last year, they gave up roughly 30 points a game. They were the reason why the Raiders didn't win more than eight games. There were three other victories that were well within their hands that they were not able to secure because the defense couldn't get the job done down the stretch. That's the fact of the matter. That is what it is. Um, there were all kinds of issues, talent-wise, pass rush, lack of uh, forcing turnovers, um, bad statistics on third downs they weren't able to get teams off the field on third downs uh, often enough there were a lot of issues there were a lot of contributing factors but the bottom line is they just weren't ready to be a reliable unit and there's a lot of reasons why we've gotten into all of them but one of the things that always stood out to me last year was a lack of leadership and a lack of of a kind of a commanding voice on that defense whether it was coaching, and you can tell on the field that guys weren't quite sure what they were supposed to be doing. They played with that uncertainty. There were times where they were not on the same page. You had defensive backs looking at each other going, I thought you were supposed to be over. No, you were supposed to, and pointing fingers and you know shaking their head after giving up a big play. Like, you were supposed to be here. Yeah, but you were supposed to be. You could just feel how disconnected it was. And 
part of that was a coaching issue, I felt. The messaging was not good, and it certainly didn't filter down to where it needed to, to filter down to, which obviously is the players. The scheme might have not been right for that particular group. Um, there was not a – I didn't feel like there was a leader defensively. Uh, I felt like there was talent on the Raiders' defense. There was young players that were promising that have you know potentially bright futures, but – it was far too many of them were just guys who are trying to make their mark in the NFL, which is difficult enough, let alone being somebody that could be relied on as a leader. It just doesn't happen overnight. That's not how leadership works. You're when you're early in your career, you're just trying to find your own footing. You're, you know, it's, it's very rare where somebody comes into a situation and just assumes a leadership role at an early age uh, or an early part, process, part of their process. They defer, and rightfully so. They don't know all the answers. They're trying to figure it out. So that lack of leadership, that lack of veteran um, influence – just reared its ugly head over and over and over again, and typically at the worst possible moments. At the times when the Raiders needed to be connected the most, when they needed to be on the same page, when they needed to be settled down, when they needed to have each other's back and be cohesive, those were the moments where the Raiders were at their worst. Um... It almost felt like they panicked a little bit in those situations, and uh, they 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 got into each, uh, their own heads. Uh, they 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 played tentatively. They played with an, a level of of uncertainty. And how many times in those situations, third and long, third and fifteen, all of a sudden there's a twenty six yard gain. All right, here we go again. Another set of downs. Uh, dejected, running back to the huddle, going, man, we were. So- <laughs> Third and 15, you figure we're headed to the sideline. The offense is going to be getting the ball here after the punt. We did our job, but no, we're still on the field because we just gave up a 26-yard busted play on third and 16 over and over and over again. Late in games, right? Late in games when you need to be at your highest level of cohesion. That was when the Raiders were their most rudderless, really. They and 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 so... You know, you can blame a lot of people, and you can also understand that, hey, the situation just wasn't really conducive. They weren't built in a way where there was a, a, a bona fide leaders, let alone one leader or multiple leaders. I think that's changing, and I can feel it as I watch practice. Unique Ngakwe is just somebody that is – he's a guy that people gravitate toward. And he's a willing leader in that regard. Some guys are just, you know, whether they're young players or older players, I, look, man, I'm just doing my own thing. All right? I got enough on my plate. I don't need to be, you know, the save, uh, uh, sage voice for everybody else. Figure it out yourself. And that's there's nothing wrong with that. At least they're being honest. You know, you don't want to for, force somebody into being playing a role that they're not comfortable with uh, or somebody that is obviously faking it or going through the motions. That's never does anybody good. Yannick Ngakwe, on the other hand, is at a point in his career where he's willingly being a leader. He wants to be a leader, and he accepts that responsibility. And he talked today, uh, when we got a chance to talk to him after practice, how it's something that's not only being urged, but it's something that he welcomes. And here's Yannick Ngakwe on being a leader. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, my mom always told me to lead, and uh, like I said, just having that responsibility to be a, a core guy to help getting this defense moving, I take that with pride, and uh, that's why I try to be the first guy in this building each and every day, uh, just to lead by example, and hopefully it can become contagious. It's so important, almost critical, that the Raiders brought in somebody like that, somebody that uh, has been there, done it, obviously, somebody that has a track record of production. There isn't – Unique Ngakwe is one of the best pass rushers in the NFL, has been since 2016. Uh, you look at his stacks, I think it's 45.5 sacks in five seasons, 18 forced fumbles in five seasons. There aren't many guys that have done that uh, in that span of time. He has. So on top of the fact that players look at him, teammates look at him and say, hey, that's somebody that I would like to be like in terms of production – but also, he's somebody that is telling them, follow me, man. We'll get there together, too. Uh, and, and what I really like about it is, and if you hear, you know, you heard Gus Bradley talk, you heard Unique Ngakwe talk, um, it's, 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 uh, it's a situation where, and I wrote about this, say, yeah, they're the two faces right now of the defense, but they understand the importance of leading a bunch of other faces into that picture frame. That's what they want ultimately. They don't want it to just be some authoritarian type thing where it's just those guys and, and the highway. They want it to be a collective uh, effort, and that's what they're trying to get this team to, that unit to. And I think it's going to make all the, the difference in the world um, You know, when you, when you start uh, thinking about the Raiders. Oh, no, okay, no. I thought we had a caller, but – Oh, we do. Is it Stu? Steven. Steven. My okay. bad. It's all good. It's all good. Uh, we're, uh, you got the uh, fill-in producer and everything goes wrong. You know what? We, we do have uh, – Devon's not here today, so we have Jared uh, running the, the show. And uh, I need to tell him that these old eyes need a little bit bigger on the uh, on the name. So uh, we're good. But we're going to go out to uh, Steven, who wants to talk about the Raiders. How you doing, Steven? Good, good. Is that... All right. Hey, all right. So I have a question. Uh, two questions. Same same topic though, or same player. Was Farrell on the second team a shock to you, um, or was this something that you already were aware of before training camp? Well, here's what I'll say uh, on that. Um, I, I wouldn't get caught up in first team, second teams right now. Uh, I think a lot of that's going to be sort of predicated on matchups, uh, like who starts the game, for instance. The Raiders play the Baltimore Ravens to start the season. I'd almost be shocked if uh, if if Clee didn't start that game um, as the as 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 the starting defensive end, if you want to call it that, because the Baltimore Ravens are going to try to run the ball. You're probably going to need a run heavy kind of a front to start that game uh, and then play off of that. So I think you're going to see a lot of what's the situation, who they're playing, what the matchup is. But beyond that, all else, all things else, you know, being equal. I would not get caught up in first team, second team, and I'll tell you why. Uh, what Gus Bradley is doing, and you know, it's something that you know he feels is a uh, is 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 a successful model, and he's been doing this. I've seen it in practice every day now. He's got one, two, maybe three different defensive lines, three four man defensive lines um, that that he's going to be throwing in there at any given time. It's just a, what he wants to do is swarm offensive okay. lines with, you know, coming at him at, in, in waves. Yes, there'll be some mix matching, but it looks like he's going to kind of figure out four separate lines or th at least three separate lines and literally rotate guys in by lines. 
Um, and so we'll see who ends games and who starts games. But I think at the end of the day, a lot of the um, snaps are going to be well spread out. He wants a healthy unit. He wants a unit that when it gets to the end of the game, his best players are going to have a lot of gas left in the tank because throughout the game, he's going to utilize uh, these these line changes. Almost think of it like hockey, where you really have separate lines. And, you know, in talking to Solomon Thomas, talking to uh, Unique Ngakwe, what that breeds is everybody's tapped in. Everybody's engaged. Everyone feels like, hey, I've got a part in this. I'm going to play. And what Gus Bradley said today is if you prove that you can play, we're going to figure out a role for you. So everyone's going to be active. Everyone's going to be involved. And I think that everyone's going to start pushing each other and rooting for each other and pulling for each other. Uh, So um, as far as that goes, wouldn't get too caught up in who might be right now the first team, second team, because everyone's going to play. Okay. And thank you. And then the second thing is, two stats that popped out uh, regarding Clay was his amount of pressures per snap um, in comparison to Yannick and, and Max. I'm not sure if you're well aware of that, but um, it seems as if Clay was more efficient in that aspect as far as, you know, pressures per, or win weight per rush. Clay, um, you, yeah, you're talking about Clay? Yeah, Clay, yeah. Right, right. Um, yes, he was. If you look at the snaps uh, and and you look at the efficiency of those snaps, uh, his efficiency level was higher, uh, especially I haven't looked at it from uh, Unique's uh, perspective, but certainly he was more he was a more efficient pass rusher than uh, Max Crosby. But you got to understand some of that was while he was lined up inside. Clee did a lot of, you know, starting game, starting uh, series on the outside and then sliding inside uh, on known passing situations. So um, you can't always look at it as, you know, was he more efficient rushing off the edge than Max Crosby or was it just simply on pass rush snaps where he might have actually been lined up inside? But the point I think you're trying to make, and I agree with you, Clee Farrell is a good, solid football player. Um, and I think that he kind of gets overlooked. And I think I think sometimes Raider fans hold it against him that he was the fourth pick overall. And he hasn't had those sexy, big, huge sack numbers. But that's not the type of player that he really is. He's an edge setter on the end uh, and a guy that uh, I think is getting better in the pass rush. And as he showed last year, you just pointed it out. He's been an efficient pa- – he was a more efficient pass rusher last year, regardless of where he lined up than Max Crosby. And, and even uh, what for for the Yannick, so he had the same amount of pressures as Yannick, um, but Yannick had 90 more snaps than him uh, before he got hurt on week 13. So that kind of stood out to me. Now, granted, I'm sure um, those sacks, I'm not sure sacks take away pressures, right? So if Yannick gets a sack, does that count as just a sack alone, or is it a sack and a pressure? But, it's a great um, question. I don't know. I don't know how they, uh, uh, what the calculus I'll is. I'll Google it. I'll try, yeah, I'll, we'll try to find out. All right. But yeah, I'm, I appreciate it. Appreciate it, Steve. And Steve's right. You know, um, it kind of gets overlooked a little bit. But um, if you're looking at efficiency of the the you know the pass rush, Clee Farrell was actually a higher efficiency pass rusher than Max Crosby last year. Now, um, at the end of last season, Max Crosby. Ended up tweeting out a photo or on Instagram, I forget which, of him in a hospital bed uh, after getting surgery. So he was obviously hurt. Uh, there were some issues there with health for Max Crosby. I know he was going through some personal changes uh, as well. 
Uh, we talked about this yesterday. You know, sometimes when you have a big rookie year like Max had uh, in terms of the sacks, that's going to draw attention from other offenses and and other offensive coordinators. And what are they going to do is they're going to say, all right, who's the guy that's getting all the sacks? Who's the guy that's been the most disruptive? Oh, Max Crosby. We're going to have to have a plan for Max Crosby. And so the adjustment that other teams made to blocking Max Crosby was maybe, um, you know, forces him and players like him to make an adjustment to off of that adjustment. And maybe he didn't do that good, that good in that regard. Jared, you got something? Total pressures is sacks plus knockdowns plus hurries. All right. So there you go. So sacks are included in that number. Uh, all the more reason. I to do say, like a good knockdown. There you go. All the more reason to say, you know, you got to give uh, Cleese some credit. You know, he had in, in, in less snaps, he had more pressures. Now, what I think the Raiders would like to see is turning more of those pressures into sacks. Are sacks the end all be all? No, not necessarily. But what they do, why they are important is because, you know, instead of a pressure leaving, you know, uh, second and 10 turning into third and 10, a sack might make second and 10 become third and 18. So, or even a turnover or force, you know, a, or, a, a, yeah, a turnover, whether it's a fumble or, or an interception. So there is merit, obviously, uh, to sacks. I think that's an element that Klee needs to get to. It's one thing to pressure the quarterback, and that's a big thing got to make them pay. You got to turn those more of those pressures into sacks. And uh, I, I know that that's something that's on Clee's to-do list uh, this year. We'll see if he gets there. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Bahadur. Yeah, well, it's great. You know, guys like Arnett has really spent a lot of time with Casey. And when we brought Casey in, that was one of the conversations we had with him was, you know, not only come in for your skill set, but also to bring that energy and help the younger players. So he, he's done a great job with that. These guys know what it looks like. And when they're on the field, they're just another set of eyes uh, other than the coaches to share with the players what it looks like. And that's, that's always a good thing. That's Raiders defensive coordinator Gus Bradley kind of talking about we were what we were basically uh, referencing in the first segment as far as the Raiders just didn't have those kind of voices last year, that kind of presence, and it's hugely, hugely important. Um, so many times last year on defense, and you can see it. You can almost feel it. There were, there were points in time, I'll be honest, sitting up in the press box where we would go, how are they going to – not be able to make the stop in this situation. And it's a bad feeling when you can feel that. And I don't, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a big energy guy and you can almost feel it in terms of the sidelines feeling it like they were bracing themselves for the worst. And that's not, you can't play like that. And certainly on, on the defensive side of the ball, you can almost sense the trepidation, the, Oh, here we go again, kind of feeling sometimes, or how do we make the stop here, we failed so many times uh, in, in, in this very situation. The other shoe is going to fall again. You can almost feel it. And part of that, I believe, is that there was no one really capable in terms of, from a veteran standpoint, to be able to calm everybody down and say, hey, you know, there's, there, there's the, the down marker. This is what we have to prevent 
them from getting crossing over this line like like situational just common sense type stuff sometimes but when you're out there as a young player and your head is spinning and everything's moving a thousand miles a minute even the most common sense type things are like you you, it's it's gets lost in the translation how many times do you have in basketball a coach who literally keeps track of timeouts you would think the head coach would know what how many timeouts uh, he has, right? But no, he's got a million other things that he's dealing with that he literally needs somebody on the sideline to say, Coach, that's your third timeout. Coach, that's your second time. You have two more timeouts. Coach, you have this, you know, just to kind of remind him what the situation is. How many times in a huddle when they have a camera and a microphone on a on a basketball huddle, are there like what you would think are common sense instructions as guys are going on the floor? But it's really, like, so important because there's so much going on that even, like, hey, that guy's got four fouls or there's there's only eight seconds left on the shot clock. Remember, you know, we got to get the, and just little reminders of situations because guys are just so tunnel visioned that some of those little common sense things, those things that you think that they should understand, it's not that they're dumb or stupid or anything like that. It's just that there's it's overwhelming how much is on your plate sometimes especially thinking about what your assignment is, just your assignment. This is where I have to line up when that the offense is in that luck. This is the coverage we are in. This is, let alone, it's third down and 12. Don't let them get past that point right there. And to have a veteran who's not overwhelmed, whose head isn't spinning, who things aren't going a million miles a minute for, to be able to give that last little reminder of, hey, you know, understand the situation, understand where we are on the field right now. It's third down. This is where we got to lock in uh, and getting everybody together. And it's like I said, a lot of it is just age and experience. Um, imagine being a young player in the NFL, just literally trying to figure out what it is you're doing, let alone trying to keep tabs of everything else that's going on, the big picture sense of things. Um, and then imagine having somebody that cool, calm, and collected voice of reason in the huddle or right next to you on the field that gives you those those little reminders. I, I've had offensive linemen tell me, like, they've played with guys that they never remember what the snap count is. But the veteran in the group is always right there to say, don't forget, it's, you know, on sound or it's on two on this one, you know, as they're going to the line of scrimmage because he knows – that, that guy is notorious for just being so locked in in his job and his responsibilities, pulling or he, this is the uh, blocking uh, uh, protection plan. Don't forget it's on one <laughs> or don't forget it's don't jump off sides. And so uh, having veterans like Unique Ngakwe, Casey Hayward, Quentin Jefferson now uh, who ha- can be that steadying force in those most critical moments uh, of games, I think is going to be highly, highly um, impactful for the Raiders last year. And, you know, also we go back, uh, we're talking about the defense. I know we've talked about, it's, it's funny, you know, last year coming into the season is, you know, does Derek Carr, is Derek Carr going to be still the quarterback uh, a year from now? What does Derek Carr need to do to get better? What does Derek Carr need to do uh, to make sure the offense scores enough points? Remember that the year before they had scored 19 points per game. That wasn't uh, good enough, obviously. But we come into this year, and nobody's even really talking about the offense. Yeah, you kind of figure, all right, offensive line is a little bit of a concern, but they'll get it together. Uh, Henry Ruggs, you know, uh, is coming off kind of a rough rookie year. He, he's good enough. He's he he looks like they'll get that in order. The offense will be fine. Whatever, however it 
Um, you know, uh, however, in, in whatever form the offense takes, whoever it is that steps up or doesn't step up or whatever, they have enough on the offensive side of the ball to be just fine. They're going to score enough points. They'll be a good. If Henry Ruggs still struggles, you got John Brown. You know, uh, if if uh, Josh Jacobs uh, has an injury, you got Kenyon Drake now, uh, a really solid um, backup running back who's also going to be a focal point uh, in the offense. Darren Waller is going to be great. Yeah, the offensive line uh, has has you know uh, adding some new players, but. Denzel Good played well enough last year. Andre James, you, you put some faith in Tom Cable. The center's going to be okay. Richie Incognito's coming back uh, at left guard. He's going to be fine. Just look at Alex Leatherwood. He's better than Sam Young, who was out there for the for the uh, majority last year. They should be okay at right tackle. It's so it's it's like we're not even really worried necessarily if you're a Raider fan uh, about that offense. It'll be good enough. It's still that defense and. Um, what's interesting about this defense is and I, I've, I've been pretty much paying attention to it exclusively during um, during training camp so far. It looks pretty good, I have to say. Um, there's more talent. There's more talent on the defensive line. Um, the, the linebacker crew, a little bit short on experience behind the starters, but Tanner Muse has been getting a lot of playing time with the ones and twos. Uh, Javin White's been getting playing playing time with the ones and twos. I think the defensive backs, there's a bunch of uh, young players. There's some veterans now. Carl Joseph is brought back. You figure uh, that's in a in a better place. You just look at the defense and you feel like, you know what? This has a chance to be pretty decent. That's all really uh, the Raiders the Raiders need to be. By the way, Tanner Muse, kind of a forgotten man last year. Uh, it's interesting. He's getting a lot of time right now with the ones and twos and, and might be you know, working his way into some sort of a role. And here's Gus Bradley talking about him. Yeah, he's done a good job. He plays outside linebacker for us and base personnel. Uh, we moved him there. He's got really good speed, very good speed. As you know, in college, that's what showed up for him. So to have an athletic guy like that on the perimeter, you know, and we just got to see how he is when we get the pads on. That's Gus Bradley talking about Tanner Muse and um, super smart, Definitely athletic. I've already, you can already tell. I remember last year at this time, everyone was like, where's the speed? Where's the athletic ability? Well, uh, he had a toe injury that required surgery. That was what was going on uh, with him last year. So he kind of took a red shirt year, got the foot and uh, and toe in order. He definitely looks like he's on track physically uh, to be a uh, to be back to where uh, he's capable of, of being. Um, he's getting a lot of special teams work, as is uh, Javin White and all those other guys, uh, young players. Um, but I also think that he might force his way into um, into a rotational uh, uh, role. And what I liked about what Gus Bradley was talking about today is, hey, if you show us in practice that you're capable, it's our responsibility as coaches, and we're going to do this. We'll get you on the field. We'll get you. We'll figure out a way to put you on the field. We'll figure out a way uh, to, to put you in some positions that, you know, you're going to be able to excel. Now, that doesn't mean that there's not going to be a core base group of uh, defensive players uh, that they're going to lean on most. Uh, but I think if you're a guy like Tanner Muse or Javin White, uh, if you're Divine Diablo, who's working his way back to health, I saw him today. He was doing some sprint work off the, the sideline, some agility work. Looks like he's closing in on uh, making a return here uh, at some point. They're going to get you uh, onto the field. I also like this. And, you know, when you think of um, Gus Bradley, 
he was a defensive coordinator with the Seattle Seahawks right before Pete Carroll came, uh, but it was working with uh, Jim Mora Jr. at the time. Pete Carroll comes in as Seattle, takes over as head coach, and retains Gus Bradley. And so Gus Bradley was the defensive coordinator of the Seattle Seahawks for a few years under Pete Carroll. And one thing that Pete Carroll, and this goes back to his college days at USC, he is not afraid to play young players. If you go back to Pete at USC, he kind of got to a point where if freshmen came in, and they were getting a lot of good freshmen at USC, if freshmen came in and proved that they can play, there was never any hesitancy to put them on the field, and a lot of times to great success. He's taking that same plan to the NFL now, you know, uh, being the head coach of the Seattle Seahawks for, what, the last 10 years or so? It's kind of mind-boggling that he's been coaching there uh, as long as he has now. Um, I remember covering him when he was at USC in Los Angeles, but he's taken that sort of motto to the NFL, like, why wait around? If a guy can play, he can play, and if if a guy can prove to us in practice during competition in the classroom uh, that he can be an asset on the field. We're not going to wait around. We'll get him on the field. If he could help us, we're playing him. And I think that that's something that's rubbed off on Gus Bradley, and he obviously took it to him um, to, uh, to, to Jacksonville. It didn't work out wins and losses when he was a head coach, but if you remember, he leaves, and the team that he basically built the very next year goes to the AFC Championship game. Most of those were his draft picks, including Unique Ngakwe and a bunch of others uh, that he brought into the room and into the building uh, in, in Jacksonville. It just wasn't ready yet um, when he was the head coach to kind of come to fruition, but at some point it did, and he deserves a lot of credit. Mm-hmm. Unique Ngakwe uh, talks about that, actually. Um, you know, the, the, Unfortunately, they weren't able to get it done while he was there, but a lot of what he put together was that team that went to the AFC Championship game. Uh, I think it was 2017, I yep. want to say. Yeah, 2017. Yeah. Uh, Jalen Ramsey, Unique Ngakwe, uh, Clayus Fowler. Campbell, yeah, like, right? It was just a murderer's row. If they yeah. had a quarterback, they could have won the Super Bowl. Right, exactly. And so, uh, and a lot of that was Gus Bradley. You go back to when he was in Seattle and, and – uh, the draft and development that they that they uh, did in Seattle, and it weren't it, it wasn't always first round picks. You know, Jalen Ramsey obviously was a first round picks pick. Um, the linebacker from UCLA was a, a first round pick. Uh, Miles Jack, Miles, you know, yeah. he's pretty good. So a lot of in Jacksonville, there were definitely some high picks, but there were also some picks where you know just it's being able to spot talent in the middle of rounds and develop, and that's what they did in Seattle, and that was the basis of the Legion of Boom. It wasn't a bunch of first-round picks. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, you brought up a really great point earlier with Gus Bradley and him rotating through defensive lines. It's almost like that's exactly what he did in Seattle. Right. You'd just be like, oh, good. They're bringing on more, like, like warmed-up dudes who are, like, not tired, and they would just roll them through. And the first thing he did when he went to Jacksonville is he started signing the, the, like, B team of the Seattle Seahawks. Right, exactly. He like brought his guys with yes. him. Yes. Yeah. And, and then their defensive line got great. Right. And it's 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 I don't I'm not sure why enough people don't do or more more people don't do this, but um being able to put that's why like you know, people are asking, well, who's starting who I mean it's important to some extent, but it's almost more symbolic yeah. than anything else. It's you're gonna play. <laughs> you're gonna get out there and play. He wants to get more and more players out on the field. Uh, so basically what happens is, number one, the efficiency of every snap goes up because you're not, as, as long as you have talented players. I mean, too many times last year, 
in reserve roles, Raider players came in there and gave them empty snaps because they weren't that good. If you get good players and are able to identify good players, and I think a Solomon Thomas, a Darius Phylon, um, a uh, Quinton Jefferson, obviously unique in Gakwe, they're going to give you solid snaps. They've always done that, basically. You know, Solomon Thomas has been a little bit shaky, but I think playing the position that fits him best, um, a lot of motivation for him to kind of get back on track. And if you look at him in 2020, was it 2020? 2020, 2019, he was part of a rotation up in San Francisco that got to the Super Bowl. And if you look at his numbers, they were okay. I mean, here's the thing. Did he get 12 sacks, nine? No, but when he was in there, he was playing pretty darn well. It, it's the concept of I want you to take five good shots yes. rather than 50 long twos. Right, or, or, ra- yeah. right. or rather than um, five good snaps out of 15. Yeah. It's play, give me five good snaps, come out. <laughs> Rest up. Bring somebody gonna, else yeah, in to give me another five good snaps. Yeah. You come out, and then the other guy goes back and get another five good snaps, and you're you're just put yourself in a better position to do that when you have. It's the most explosive position in sports. Exactly. How did what did uh, Clee Farrell called it the most? It's a violent position. Uh, yeah, it's a violent exactly. position. And he he literally said yesterday because I asked him about this. He's like, you know, guys were burnt out too, <laughs> you know, and and by the end of games, by the end of seasons, and I think that that's the whole concept here i think when gus you know took over as 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 defensive coordinator and i'm sure john gruden understood this more than anybody uh, but when you sit back as an organization and start self-evaluating and i'm the first thing that gus bradley does he's going to watch every single play of every single game from the year before and i'm sure right when they got to that middle of the fourth quarter and on he's like guys are tired out there Guys are tired. Then, you know, into week 12, into week 13, he can see what was going on. And the first thing that he's thinking of, we need to get depth. We need to get quality depth. We don't, don't need to be worrying about who's playing every snap. It's more about who's going to collectively, how can we build a collective unit that, as Jared just said, gives you good quality snaps every time that they're out there. Um and then it's not a big waste of time, or you're not running guys into the ground because you're afraid of bringing in the next guy. Um, so, so and I think that's what happened with Max Crosby last year. If you look at Max Crosby, he played almost 200 more snaps in 2020 compared to 2019. And his overall efficient, everything went down, even though he played more. Well, why do you think that might be? Yes, teams were making an adjustment to him. Yes, there might have been some injuries. Well, he was just tired. He was playing way too many darn snaps, and that started wearing on him as this as the season went on. So uh, I like the approach, and I like in talking to uh, everyone that's involved, it's not so much about me. It's not about you. It's about us and pulling for each other. You know, the other thing that happens, it's almost like I got a good pitch, pitching staff. Yeah, uh, I'm a New York Met fan going way back, and they've had some pretty darn good pitching staffs. The one that I'll always talk about, David Cohn, Dwight Gooden, Sid Fernandez. There's a bunch of, you know, <laughs> yeah. way back then, right? <laughs> okay. They were crazy. They were crazy. But Ron Darling. But what they did was they push each other. So Dwight Gooden would go out and have a great game. The next guy up was like, oh, I got to. <laughs> Yeah. I gotta step it I, up. I can't be the one that, that right. drops the ball. Right. So, and I'm, and it, you know, in the clubhouse, there's a little bit of you know what going on. Like, hey, um, what are you gonna do? <laughs> I just, uh, I just threw seven scoreless. You know, and I, what are you gonna do? You know, and uh, and it's all in good nature, but there's also a little bit of 
hmm, okay, I'm getting pushed here a little bit. And so, you know, in when they're in the locker room talking about, like, you know, I had, I had six pressures, you know, and, and two sacks. What what'd you do to it? <laughs> you know? Well, it also, even on top of that, you go, hey, man, the club move's not working. Uh, I, I tried the inside spin, and I got a foot on him. Maybe try that. Exactly. And you're like, you, while you're rotating out, you're you're giving each other like, okay, yeah, nope, my, my swim move is not working right. today. So exactly. don't even... Don't even bother. You know, and that's a great point because pass rush is not just, yes, part of it is being able to just bull strength somebody yeah. or blow past somebody. If you could do that, great. If, it, if that's what you can get by on, but you're in the NFL, that's typically not going to work 100% of the time or, you know, less than you probably think. It's a chess game as a defensive lineman pass rushing. You're setting dudes up. You're, you're kind of messing with them a little bit. You're doing something three straight plays so that on the fourth he's expecting that and you got something else in your in in your in your arsenal and uh, we had I don't know if you heard this interview that we did shortly after the draft but it was Malcolm Kuntz who the Raiders drafted uh, out of the University of Buffalo and you just watch him on tape and you're going wait well look nobody at that level has that many moves like he has it's like you know he could write a book on it and I we had him on the air and I asked him about that and he's like you know what he would do is he'd watch guys like Unique and Gakwe and uh, every other great pass rusher and start taking what they were doing into, you know, kind of implementing what they were doing into into his repertoire, figuring out what worked, figuring out what didn't, you know, going like half of a game just doing one thing or a couple of things, knowing that I've got a couple others that are going to surprise this. And I was like, wow, that's like next level stuff. Like you don't normally get to that point until a little bit later on, and yet he's already gotten there. And I, and I guarantee that guys like Unique and Gagway, who understand that mental uh, challenge of the game or the chess match uh, part of it, uh, is talking to Max Crosby, is talking to Clee Farrell, is talking to Carl Nassib and helping them, uh, you know, kind of get to that point and, and, and you know, uh, in, reminding them of, you know, the importance of, of that and, the great thing about being or the, the the most important part of being a great leader is not to just get the club and start banging guys over the head like I'm the leader of the team. It's doing it in a way that isn't over the top, isn't overbearing. It's more of a welcoming type of a thing. And not everybody has that kind of savvy and that kind of charm to be able to almost lead without them even knowing you're leading, you know, um, and, and it becomes something that's more welcoming than overbearing and I think that he kind of has that way about him and I think it's super important and I think you're going to see that on the field not just in his play but the players around him the way the level that they're going to rise to you're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor brought to you by Tequila Embajador. No one gets you closer to the Las Vegas Raiders you're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. One thing I love about Gus is uh I seen him when things were going good, and I seen him when things were going bad. And uh, he was a head coach in 2016 when I was a rookie. And his character is tremendous because he's the same person. If it's good or bad, if it's bad, he's going to take the blame for it. If he's good, he's going to get the defense the credit for it. So that's that's rare that you find a person like that. Jared, what's going on with the microphone at uh, uh, Raiders facility in Henderson? I, I, I don't pick it up when I'm there, but now yeah, that it's in my ear, I'm like... the. I wonder if he not, was not knocking to, it with his hand or something like that. Or Not to speak ill of former UNLV coaches, but the worst was they would always put Tony Sanchez, uh, when he was the UNLV coach, right in front of a door that players needed to go in and out of. Oh, so you gosh. would just, he'd be in the middle of an answer, and all you would hear is, 
boom. <laughs> and I'd just be like, I'm free. I have to do theater of the mind. Did you ever see the, um, it was uh, Ordrin. Ed Ordrin. Oh, I'm trying to have breast cup. He's, yeah, he's he's doing, if you haven't seen this, go to YouTube, please. It's do yourself so a favor. And he's doing a, it's during the spring. <laughs> Because it's signing day, uh, it's 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 college football signing day where you're you're signing all all the high school players are signing their scholarships and and Ed is doing a press conference on the pre- field at the practice facility at LSU, talking about LSU's signing. So he's like, we got the you know the, we got the the running back from uh, o- o- Ocala, Florida, who's going to come in here and be, and uh, as he's talking. His players, his current players at US uh, at LSU, are doing some work off to the side, like you know, and they're just kind of at that point having a lot of fun, hooting yeah. and hollering and everything. Yeah. That so you're hearing a talking about the wide receiver from uh, Lafayette, Louisiana, and he's going to come in here and compete. And you hear all these guys, his players, Woo. yeah, doing all that. And uh, he's like, then he's like, guys, uh, hold on, excuse, me. shut up, I'm doing a, a press conference topic. over here. All right, where was I? Oh, yeah, we got the quarterback. From, blah, blah, blah. And then they, they didn't take the message, which how do you not take a message from Coach Order? Like, how do you not just stop what you're well, I mean, doing? There also is an element where you're like, he's joking, right? Yeah, let's, like, let's, hear, let's, let's push Coach O's button uh, just right, fair, a little fair, bit fair, more. Yeah, that's fair enough. And so he gets back to, you know, we got that big defense. We, we had to go all the way up to Wisconsin to go find, you know, a big defensive tackle who's going to come. I don't know. God, I'm going to tell you one more time. It's so, hilarious, hilarious. And uh, having had some experience with Coach O at USC when he was a defensive line coach, ah, uh, man, what a uh, what a character and uh, has definitely done a great job, obviously, uh, at, at LSU. But, uh, Jared, I didn't know. I didn't know. Getting information here, uh, breaking news. Jared was has a little bit of scouting uh, background, college yep. football scouting uh, background, yep. which I love. So when we talk about, you know, the type of moves and, you know, counter moves and, and this type of thing as a scout, that's what you're looking for, right? You're looking yeah, for you're looking for moves. You're looking at their feet. You're trying to break down whether or not they actually filled the hole correctly. Like Run they, fits. Yeah, exactly. And so it's it's been, you know, it's been almost. I want to say almost a decade since I did this. So it's, you know, it's been a while, but it's still, it's still, once you're trained to watch the game that way, right? I will genuinely, if it's not my team or some other, or a team that, uh, well, one of my fantasy players, uh, I will just watch a right tackle. Right. Just the entire game. Basically the Jags for the entirety of their existence. I have only watched their right tackle because what do we th- uh, okay left tackle would be Baselli would be a left yeah, tackle okay. tremendous hall of famer by the way well are there defensive their inside defensive linemen right. are there like a defensive i just pick a player on the Aaron line Aaron Donald is incredible like yes. he's it it's the strength level that he generates the fact that you can't double team him right. a double team is basically that's that's his that's his normal. Yes, exactly. And then the amount of bend that he can put into his own upper body, which right. is insane, yes. in order to get underneath guys, hold them up, and basically hold the line. One of the stupidest criticisms I've ever seen is, well, he's not very good at uh, run. He's not very good at the run. And it's genuinely like, <laughs> it's you don't ask him. If you ask him to penetrate, he's going to penetrate. If you ask him to hold 
two He'll offensive do that linemen. To, yeah. That basically means you have a free linebacker exactly. reading the running back. So, of course, he's not going to be all that in impactful unless the running back's an idiot and just immediately runs, runs directly. Right into but he's still doing his job freeing up the linebacker to come he's run fit. basically and... taking two gaps yes, away exactly. because he is occupying a, but normally a guard and a, 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 well, sometimes a guard and a tackle, but normally the guard in the center. And he is basically closing any interior run that they possibly could do. And he's moving them with his hands and he's so stout. Yes. That's Stout, the part. strong, fast, quick, uh, powerful, athletic, um, great One leverage. step, and then he's underneath yeah. it. Yeah. And it's uh, like— He embarrasses people. It's it's Sometimes it's really just like, oh, I'm looking man. forward to it. I've been, I've been uh, talking about this on the air, but the Raiders go to practice the Rams in Thousand Oaks um, in a couple of weeks, actually. Three weeks. Uh, uh, August 18th and 19th, I believe it is. Uh, and— Forget the game. The Rams and Raiders play at SoFi Stadium on the 21st in a preseason game. Aaron Donald's not even going to get on the field in that game, but he will be there for those two days of practice. And my, um, you know, my memories of, of Aaron Donald, especially in training camp, is just blowing up practices uh, because he's just, he's, you know, devastating. He's that kind of a player and he brings it in practice situations. And so for this young Raider offensive line, that's that's a hundred reps over the course of two days against Aaron Donald is going to be invaluable. It's like going to to a master's class. And here's the thing: the Rams offensive line coach at the time, Aaron Cromer, would always tell me that he would laugh. He'd be back there laughing, kind of, when his young players were just getting embarrassed by uh, you know by Aaron Donald. He goes, "I'd see the frustration on their face. I'd see you know their." One of my, you know, like, like just dejected, like, how am I? And I'd be like, that's what I want to see, because that's how you learn. Number one, you go back and you watch the film. And, but the other part of it is it's not going to get any harder than this. Yeah. This is the hardest it's going to be. This is the triple black diamond. You just like and you just put on a pair of skis. right. So for that young Raiders offensive line, uh, that's going to get a crash course uh, in, in Aaron Donald and what what's. A, typically a pretty good Rams offensive line or defensive line. I think they're going to grow tremendously from those two days in practice. So it's going to be really fun. <laughs> You're, focus on like his right foot for a day or something yeah. like just, just watch like the ball moves, his right foot moves, and then everybody else will move. It's incredible. It's, it's so much fun to do. They, um, I don't know if you know the story about when they drafted Aaron Donald, but they had two first round picks. They had the second pick overall. We'll get back to it when, when, uh, because this is a good one. This is, they, they lucked, not that they lucked into Aaron Donald, but the way the situation worked out, they could have easily not drafted Aaron Donald if a certain, uh, if they didn't have the, the higher pick that they had to address a much bigger need at the time. And that guy's not even in football anymore. So it goes to tell you that, you know, you think you know, but you don't really know. Um, and it's, 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 and it also, goes to your world, uh, former world of scouting, because a low-level scout in the Rams who was just cutting up film of college prospects brought him to their their world to say, you guys got to start watching this, dude. So we'll get to that in just a minute. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador.